Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dream Drop Long Distance, podcast about two best friends waking up from a year-long coma and beginning a new Kingdom Hearts adventure together. I'm Kyle Branshaw, and joining me, as always, is my dear friend Mitchell Orsino. How are you, man? Hey, man. Yeah, um, it is really exciting to get to the point that I think both of us have been looking forward to for quite a while, and it is we are finally jumping into the meat, the 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 epicenter of what i would consider our favorite part of this series which is kingdom hearts 2 but before we get into the meat of it and start uh really getting a feel for Sora's side of the story i want to take a second because i was going back and listening to some of our older episodes and i want to revisit something from chain of memories if that's all right with you yeah i yeah, know jump in so at the end credits of Reverse Rebirth, there was a scene that showed, I want to say, Roxas, who we now know to be Roxas anyway, and uh, and Axel. And there were just some uh, some words that kept being shown on screen all throughout it. And the uh, the let's, let's call it a poem said beyond the path without you is a forgotten promise to keep. We may have walked side by side, but now we go back to back. And though our paths may not cross, all paths are connected somewhere. When I arrive where you are, we may not appear as we were, but we'll make another promise to keep. So, having finished Roxas's side of the story, this intro to Kingdom Hearts 2, I feel like this poem makes a little bit more sense now. What do you think? I definitely think so. Especially now that we know, I mean, to me, that feels like this was a poem or a story, you know, something was written describing what Roxas would soon find out was he was kind of traversing his own path, which was running parallel to Sora being asleep. And now that they have, I guess, because we haven't seen it just yet, uh, now that they have... um, become whole again that that is what the end of the poem meant see i'm thinking of how nomine was telling roxas that we may not recognize each other but we're going to meet again we may not look the same but we're going to meet again that okay okay i wasn't even honestly i wasn't even thinking about the nomine aspect of that but that's a good that's a good guess actually yeah, so I just wanted to I wanted to touch on that while it was still fresh in my mind. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a it's a great that's a great pullback. I, and I like to try I'd like to try and revisit some of those things where we can. Where it's like, okay, well now that we have a little more context, what did that previous thing mean? So yeah, ah, good call. I think that's great. So, uh, but do you want to take us into uh, Sora's side of the story? Yeah. So you know, in the la- in last episode, we ended on. Roxas going into this white void and just saying, you know, Sora, you're lucky. Unfortunately, it looks like my summer vacation is over. Gut-wrenching. My heart hurt. And we are introduced to the Kingdom Hearts 2 title screen in all of its glory and music and beauteous. Oh, I'm so excited. And then all of a sudden, we're in a train station and we see the Phantom Train. That Roxas in this previous this previous intro kind of story tried to get on and was kind of 
dissuade from doing. And when he went back, it was gone. And this is this like, you know, purple train with a magic hat instead of a smokestack and stars and very magical looking. And his train pulls into the train station. But somebody walks out of it. Finally. And who who walked out of that train, Kyle? Well, I mean, it's not exactly revealed. No, it's King Mickey. You, there's no mistaking that this is King Mickey. Like the ears and the face and the everything, it's King Mickey. And this is so exciting. He's he's finally more deeply involved. And I, I'm I'm so excited uh, because th- this is some, the most direct involvement that we've had with him since uh, Chain of Memories. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, shoot, we've seen more of him so far just in this this moment then i feel like we did in all of kingdom hearts one and also i mean obviously rebirth reverse rebirth we saw quite a lot of him but a lot of it was not based in directly with store as part of this storyline honestly i think my favorite part about this appearance by king mickey is that he's in an organization cloak like he looks so freaking cool he does he's got his own little like miniature custom uh, black hooded uh, leather jacket, like oak oh, coverall kind of thing. Really cool design. But then we cut away and we're in this black void and we hear Roxas call out to Sora. And Sora says, Who's there? But then we start to hear two familiar voices yelling Sora's name. And the two voices we hear are Donald and Goofy, of all people. And I'm so happy to see them again after spending hours of playing this game and not having backup and not having my magic user and not having my shield. No, I'm so happy to see them. Yeah. And talk about there. You know, we we hit this moment where Sora wakes up, the pod opens. He's kind of yawning because you can tell he just took a long nap. And man, the excitement on these guys faces to see each other Um, and like they just start hugging each other and Jiminy pops up on his shoulder and you can see that he's been sleeping as well, which I thought was kind of funny. And they're trying to figure out what's going on, but none of them have any memory of anything going past when they were, they started looking for Riku. Which is kind of suspicious because even the memory uh, playback that we kind of got to see during Roxas's side was, it showed him walking up to Castle Oblivion so he did at least get that far. You'd think he would remember that much, but no mention of a castle, no mention of running into anything. So the last thing he seems to remember is Riku. It seems like whatever Namine did to him, she completely wiped everything about Castle Oblivion off of there, at least for the moment. Speaking of, they decide to check Jimmy's journal just to see, like, what did happen? What is the last thing? And Jimmy's journal is still blank. None of the old stuff is in there. And the only thing that's in Jiminy's journal is thank nomine. Which is immediately followed by one of the funniest lines I think Donald has said to this date, where he looks at Jiminy and he goes, well, some journal that is. <laughs> and Jiminy, Jiminy looks so just like, I mean, I, 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 I don't. It, he's like, I can't disagree with him. It's true. Yeah, poor guy. Just lost a, a year's worth of work or however long it actually took. How long do you think the first Kingdom Hearts game took? Like, how long is that in real time? Like a week, week and a half, two? Oh, it's got to. I mean, I don't know, because you got to think. I mean, I can't imagine like how many worlds there were like, what, 12 worlds plus 
having to beat bosses, like I, the amount that Sora develops in that time, I, I can't imagine that was all in a week. So maybe two, three weeks? I, I mean, I would say at least a month. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I almost, I almost want to like plot that out. Anyway, eh, sidetrack. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> no, you. It, I mean, it, it really. They don't give you like a, a frame of reference in terms of how much time these guys have spent doing this stuff. So it is kind of up in the air. And it's very intentional that they do it that way because it, it it contrasts against the fact that Roxas had individual days where you know the first day, the second day, on and on. Sure. 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 Uh, but yeah, they go outside and the first thing that I noticed actually was that Twilight Town has different music now than it did when we were playing as Roxas. I mean, presumably because this isn't the same Twilight Town, but it also kind of like struck me in a way. It's not as somber. Yeah, it, um, it has like a little, it kind of picks up pace and has a little more of that Disney. I found like that more, like a slightly more Disney tune to it now. And... I found it interesting also that Sora claims that he vaguely remembers Twilight Town. And I'm not sure where he's getting that idea from. Is that coming from Roxas inside of him now, like merge back in? Or is that coming from the fact that he's seen Twilight Town in Castle Oblivion as a card? I don't know. I really don't know. I, my guess is that he's saying like he vaguely remembers something about or like this town. So I think he, I think he's kind of pulling from like, you know, they talked in Chain of Memories about like the memories of the heart and the memories that are like buried deep. I think that might be what he's talking about. Like the memories that are now buried deep are Roxas. That could make sense. That could be it. So certainly makes more sense than than still remembering anything from Castle Oblivion. I, I don't think Sora is ever going to remember anything about what happened there. And I wish I could forget it all, too. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> too far, too far. But so we, you know, we actually, all three, Sonald, uh, so Sonald Donald, Goofy, and Sora. the duck. We, all three of us, go into a very familiar hideout, and we see all of Roxas's friends, Hainer, Pence, and Olette, sitting there. Hainer, Pence, Olette. And then everything stops immediately, because we've... <laughs> we've activated the matrix <laughs> um you know I, I think hainer was kind of a jerk here like he's not like the hainer that was in the version that roxas lived in i actually one of my notes i was gonna say the very first thing was hainer was a bit moody yeah which they don't they don't really give you a reason why he's being moody maybe he's just having a bad day but they start to ask around if anybody had if anybody that looks like I think it was that they were asking if anybody who looks like the king has been around and Pence and Olette were like actually he came around looking for you guys yeah I don't, I don't remember how that whole conversation started but yeah Pence tells him that somebody matching King Mickey's description is looking for them did you follow where he told you to go or did you go a different way did you explore the town a little bit I explored the town quite a bit okay good 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 so you went to the sandlot and saw a cipher I did. I did. That was uh, the next note I was going to bring up was about going to the Sandlot. Because I, I was like, oh, man, I bet this is skippable because it's so fun to watch uh, Sora and Cypher just like. Yeah, I mean, basically, you they tell you um, King Mickey's waiting for you near the train station. If you decide to go off to the, to the side and go back to the Sandlot, you run into uh, a, a very familiar face. 
of Roxas's old, not nemesis, I guess, but more of like a, a rival, Cypher. And Cypher asks who they are and if they're trying to pick a fight. Which I think is hilarious because he's just immediately like, you guys want to fight me? And Sora's like, what? No, we don't want to fight. And Donald, just being Donald, goes, yeah, you big palooka. It's <laughs> a great word. It's so funny. It's like, Donald, dude, you are three foot two. And this guy, you have no idea who this dude is. Thankfully, thankfully, the struggle tournament organizer shows up and breaks up the fight and says, well, you may as well make it a real struggle. The the thing that really stood out to me, though, was we learned a little bit more about the alternate history of this Twilight Town th- from the struggle organizer. He says that uh, that Cypher won the struggle tournament. That means Hainer lost still and that uh, there wasn't a corrupted Vivi in the tournament. So Cypher took it all. Yeah, I thought the same thing. He he, he called him the 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 struggle champion and he was like, oh, you know. He he got really almost too excited to talk about Cypher and how much he wanted to watch Cypher fight, which you could tell Cypher was a little bit creeped out by. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he's like, we'll, we'll do it that way. But then you can't actually do it. I know. Honestly, I will say I probably spent a good 15 to 20 minutes running around and then Google searching to try to figure out how to do it, only to find out that you have to come back later to actually do any of the struggle fights. Yeah, which is so aggravating because they uh, they really set up the town to introduce some of these concepts like, oh, look, there's shops around town and oh, there's jobs that you can do. Uh, like that's that meme that I shared about uh, you. Why don't you get a job if you have some free time? Oh, just kidding. Nobody's hiring. Like what? Yeah, it's, it's such a weird conversation to include in the game. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting how it just everything. They basically put everything out there for you, but you weren't able to do much of it. I will say, though, one thing I found very interesting, and I don't know why exactly they did it. I was gr- glad they did. They give you so many chests throughout Twilight Town to go and search for. I, I honestly think that that's going to be a recurring thing throughout the game. We're gonna, Chests are going to be a lot more prevalent than they were previously. I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, I know... I. That was one thing I loved was I was able to get enough potions and everything where I started to feel pretty comfortable knowing we're about to go into something else. But also you got enough money that I was able to buy the uh, the hammer staff for Donald and the adamant shield for Goofy. So I was like, OK, I'm upgrading these guys like the game is giving me enough equipment where I'm like, OK, I can once we leave, I feel like I'm not going to be like under leveled or under set up. Right. Did you catch the little detail that they added uh, in the first time that you talked to one of the shop NPCs? You'd have to be more specific. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, they they give you a little tutorial thing that tells you if you go to a new shop that has new items that you haven't seen before, those items are then brought to shops in bigger cities, too. So you don't have to, like, go to a specific shop to be able to get that oh, one specific cool. item it just all goes to whatever the main town's shop is which uh is kind of cool and it also tells us that there are going to be a lot more shops than we had been used to before hmm, okay yeah no i i didn't even realize that was something that they were doing but that's that's a great addition especially by comparison to king Mart's one where the only shop was in traverse town yeah no that was that was a little frustrating um i mean you noticed i mean that but um yeah, the, the ability that some of these worlds are actually going to have room where you can 
buy things that you need and you don't have to go back to the, like basically one of the starter worlds is going to be very nice. But anyway, that's enough of a sidetrack. <laughs> so uh, heading up to the station, you get into a fight with the nobodies. Uh, lots and lots and lots of nobodies until uh, until King Mickey shows up and decides to kick some butt. And I mean, you it's not it's not like just one or two of them as Sora and Roxas that had to fight. Maybe max three. This is like they swarm you. You have the Dusks. You have these um, slightly smaller versions that kind of mold and manipulate their bodies into the shape of weaponry. Um, and sort of they're, they're getting swamped. Like they, they physically, it looks like they're, they're about to get taken down. And yeah, it's all of a sudden, right as one is about to kind of deal what looks like a final blow on Sora, we look from on top of the station and King Mickey just jumps down like an anime hero and just starts laying them out with one hit. It's so cool to watch. I, I mean, they have to make him cool. They finally got the chance to use Mickey Mouse, and now they're going to do it. They're going to do justice by him. Yeah, and, you know, he finishes them off, and Donald yells, Your Majesty, because he's so excited. Mickey looks at him and goes, Shh. He's like, You guys got to board the train and leave town. The train knows why. And then he gives us a bag, and then he takes off again back down the ramp that we just came from. Not just any bag, though. This is the same pouch from Roxas's story, the one that got stolen by Ansem slash Riku. Yeah, the one. I think it had, what, 5,000 money in it? Yeah, so that just means that at some point after getting to Twilight Town, Mickey was able to meet up with Riku slash Ansem, whoever that is. We actually, right before we find out how much money is in it, Sora gets excited and goes, well, wait, if the king's here, that means Riku must be here. He's like, I got to find him. Then we can go back to the islands and find Kairi. And he kind of like, they're all kind of standing there. And he looks at Donald and Goofy and goes, so what are you two going to do while I'm doing that? And Donald and Goofy kind of look at him annoyed. And Goofy just looks at him and goes, of course, Sora, do you, do you have to ask? It's so wholesome. I, I love these guys so very much. It is. And they all kind of laugh at each other because Sora realizes, like, of course you guys are going to come with me. And they're like, well, no, duh, dude. Like, why would we let you? Why would we, like, end this now? And isn't this the same moment where they all kind of, like, look at each other and realize that they have these ridiculous drowsy faces? Yes. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> and, but yes, it's like, I feel like they all kind of like catch each other in like a weird, like a funny gaze. But then like, as you walk away, it, the, the, something pops up on the screen. It, it's the money pouch that you were talking about. It says there's 5,000 money inside for some reason, basically saying like, yeah, you don't know why there's that money, but we also get two other items. We get Rox's blue crystal orb from the struggle trophy. Mm -hmm. And we also get our first page of the Ansem's report. This is Ansem report page two. Secret Ansem report, it even says. Uh-huh. This report is interesting, but uh, we will save talking about it for another day because uh, there's going to be a lot to unpack and a lot to dissect once, we, uh, once, once more of the story unfolds. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I didn't figure we were going to jump, but those are, those are going to be, be a little lengthy. 
so at the station, as Sora goes to uh, get a ticket to get on the ghost train, uh, Hainer, Pence, and Olette show up, feeling the need to see Sora off. Yeah, they they show up, but they're all like, yeah, we don't really know why we felt like we needed to come. And so Sora pulls out the money bag to go and pay for their tickets, and Olette immediately goes like, what? And she pulls out, and they notice they have the same bag. Because they really want to emphasize that, like, hey, that was a different Twilight Town. They're they're just, like, being heavy-handed with it at this point. But also, I don't know, I thought it was cool. Yeah, and Sora kind of goes, I can't help but feel like we won't see this town again. At which point, Goofy looks at him and goes, oh, you're thinking too much. I love Goofy and how he grounds this group together. It's so wholesome. It was also serving as a warning to the player, like, hey, make sure you do everything that you might want to do here. Yeah, because you from what I, from what I remember, you don't come back for a while. Yeah, at the very least, uh, you're not going to be able to come back anytime too soon. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, we go to board the train, but the kids stop us and Hainer looks at him and goes, Sora, are you sure we haven't met before? And Sora goes, I'm positive. And Hainer just goes, huh? Oh, well. And in one of the most, like, dude, I'm not going to lie, I got a little emotional. It was like, Sora just smiles at him, and you just see this tear run down his face. Oh, my God, man. And Dearly Beloved playing in the background. Oh, oh my God. This this scene had me. Ugh, I was I was tearing up real big. I've played this game so many times. Why does it hurt so much? I think it's just because we're taking the time and digesting it. I think so, because Sora even, he like, he's like, whoa, where'd that come from? And he kind of wipes it away, and Hainer jokingly is just like, yeah, pull it together. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh and they all, of course, they all laugh, and Sora tells them goodbye, and they they get on the train, and you could tell, like, all the friends, I think it was Pence actually kind of runs after it a little bit, and they're all just watching it take off. I wish I could be friends with somebody like Pence. He's a cool guy. I know. He seems like a really good dude. And of course, because why wouldn't it? It's a Kingdom Hearts game, so things are going to go a little wacky. The ghost train, as they're riding on it, suddenly becomes a space train. Yeah, it just starts. You start traveling through space and it's like kind of like a wormhole-esque thing. And Sora stares out the train window and pulls out the blue jewel that he got. Ugh. And, you know... Dude, and I was like, oh, my God. And then he says one of the like, dude, it's just oh, the line. He just the way he delivers it. It's because Goofy's like, are you OK? And he looks at him. He goes, you know, I'm sad. And it's like, oh, my heart. Oh, <laughs> like, why did they make that so emotional? It's so clear how much influence Roxas inside of him is having. Yeah, it was like, wow, man, that was so good. Just so, so good. But then. We cut to another scene and we're at the the hill um, originally that the, the crew was trying to find when they were doing their seven wonders of Twilight Town book report. It's because they were looking for the ghost train. But who is there? So I just want to preface that I don't think that this scene was in the original game. I think this was added with the final mix. I was I was reading into the editions and I'm pretty sure this was one of them. Oh, really? Yeah, because I mean, I really don't remember this. But uh, it's Axel, Namine, and Riku slash Ansem. And I think that this scene further cements that this is definitely Riku. 
Because Naminé and Axel, they're, they're nobodies who are on the run, apparently from Diz, who wants to see both of them destroyed. But Riku lets them go. Because, he says, uh, you helped us on in Castle Oblivion. So Riku definitely still remembers what happened there. And wants to do right by the both of them. Because both of them, both Naminé and Axel, helped Riku and Sora survive Castle Oblivion. So I will say that for anybody, I mean, this is still kind of a guess because we haven't seen the face of this person. We don't, yeah. we're, we're, bas- we're, we're basing this completely on just the way that they're talking. So like to me, I'm still not 100% sold that it isn't handsome in some way. Um, but yes, I agree. It does make more sense now thinking that like, why would Ans- Cause, cause Ansem also talked about how his memory started to come back. And, you know, he might have been thanking Naminé for bringing him back from uh, not being able to remember anything. But again, whoever this masked figure is, they do let Axel and Naminé go. I like working on the assumption, but but yes, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't get ahead of myself, but I, I still I'm I am pro I'm pro Riku here. But yes, he is still speaking as Ansem. The voice is Ansem. The, the height, everything all works out for it to be Ansem. I don't know. It's a confusing situation and they're. Messing with us on purpose. Oh, of course. And, but, you know, and I think we'll, we'll find out more as the game goes on. We, after this, we go back and we, with the, the three boys on the train, the train stops at this very, this lone kind of rock of like this lone part of space with this crooked castle. Just basically, it's like, a, it looks like somebody literally just cut out a big plot of like grassy land stuck a crooked castle on it and it's just floating in this ethereal plane i mean if you were powerful enough to do that wouldn't you oh yeah that's i mean that's awesome the boys get off the train and sora not like um donald and goofy start to walk and sora turns around and the train disappears and which is not terrifying in the slightest no 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 Oh, of course not. And Sora just nervously kind of is like, oh, man, there there goes our ride. So if this is the destination that the ghost train, presumably this is the only place the ghost train goes. I don't know. Uh, One. Diz is familiar with it enough to show the train to Roxas. But two, because we saw King Mickey get off of this train, that means King Mickey has been here recently, too. Right. That would be the assumption. I mean, it is still an assumption, though, because we don't actually know if this is the only place the ghost train can go. Yeah, but I mean, as of right now, yeah, probably a good bet that he has. He probably has been here before. But more importantly, who's here now, Mitchell? Oh, my God. Probably one of my favorite villains in this entire series. So the boys walk up to the front of this castle and this very big character is kind of like giggling standing in the doorway and he starts to basically they're like what are you doing and he just starts laying out this entire plan and claiming that he's going around the worlds and turning powerful beings into heartless to add to maleficent's army and then they keep asking questions and he's like okay what is going and he looks and he's like, you guys! And Donald and Goofy yell, Pete? Like, they couldn't tell from his extremely distinctive voice. Like, that is a one-of-a-kind. 
Yeah, which I just, it's so fun seeing him in this. And of course, Sora's like, do you guys know him? And Goofy goes, yeah, his majesty banned him to another dimension a long time ago. How can King Mickey banish someone to another dimension? I have never heard of that. And why isn't King Mickey doing it more often? I I guess at some point he learned how to put people he didn't like somewhere else. And but Pete then tells him, well, Maleficent busted me out and she's going to help me conquer it all. And it's funny because Sora, Donald and Goofy all start laughing. He's like, what's so funny? And Sora just goes, dude, she's toast. (laughs) Oh, my! he did actually say it that way, didn't he? God, the 2000s were weird. Yeah, it was... I, but yeah, he did. He's like, she's toast, which I was like, oh, that's such a funny, like, early 2000s line. Right. Like, nobody says that anymore. Somebody, like, uh, somebody goes down in combat, or you, like, no, nobody says, oh, they're toast. Like, wow, I, I, ah, what a weird time. Yeah. But then Pete winds up spilling the beans on who, on who is, you know, the, the owner of this castle, and who is it, Kyle? Uh, that would be Master Yen Sid. The I I don't know if this character had a name previously. Uh, it will be introduced to him soon, but uh, yeah, Master Yen Sid is is how he's introduced. And uh, if you look at the if you look at the letters, it's just Disney spelled backwards. But <laughs> Master Yen Sid, oh my god! Donald and Goofy both get really excited. They're like, "Oh, Master Yen Sid's here!" And they just completely ignore Pete and run past him and go on in. Honestly, though, like. My my whole favorite thing about Pete, though, is just the fact that this guy is so self-centered. He's not evil. He's literally just self-centered. So he, he's just doing whatever is best for him, except for the one thing that he should do, which is just leave Maleficent behind. Yes, it's he's kind of silly to trust her in the least bit. And he, you know, they kind of ignore him. and He gets a little miffed about it, but he doesn't go in. And so we fight through a good couple of rooms of Heartless and Goofy's like, man, there's a lot of Heartless here. Good thing we're on the job. And Sora's like, well, why are there so many of them? He's like, Aren't, I thought the worlds are at peace after we got done. Oh, you poor innocent lad. Yeah, that was he has absolutely no clue. <laughs> so there were two things that happened along the way that I really want to take note of that I, I, I enjoy as upgrades in this game. Uh, one. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that in that first room of the tower, you can actually stop and talk to Donald and Goofy? Yeah, they allow you to actually like have a com- like get little clues and um, hints or even like there's just like actual dialogue between them. And I thought that was cool. We never had that Kingdom Hearts one. That's definitely an upgrade that came from Chain of Memories, because between every single room of Chain of Memories, you had a chance to talk to the two of them, get get their thoughts on things. Yeah, that was very cool. And the other thing is that, did you notice that some of the Heartless have been upgraded with reaction commands? Yes. Uh, I mean, I noticed that with the the Dusks have them for sure. As the Soldier Heartless had it, too. They, there's this uh, move you can do called Cyclone. I don't really know what it does because it moves so fast that I miss it most of the time. But you just mm-hmm. mostly destroy the Heartless before they hit you. It's one of those things where you... If you don't press it in time, they're going to do a strong attack against you. But if you do press it in time, you just basically destroy them. I don't think I ever hit it, 
But I do. I, there were a couple reaction commands. I, I get what you mean. I think it has something to do with deflecting them when the soldier heartless try to do their little like spin kick move. That sounds exactly right. Yeah. 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 But so we get through those and we're introduced to Yen Sid immediately when they walk in the room. Donald and Goofy bow to this guy and they're like, oh, Master Yen Sid, it's an honor. And Sora looks it basically he's um a very tall wizard, long gray beard. Familiar to anybody who has uh, watched the movie Fantasia. Yes, this is the the uh, the sorcerer from Fantasia that Mickey breaks into his house and steals his magic hat. And which is like, I thought that was pretty funny that they used him for this. Uh, it makes perfect sense, though, because Mickey Mouse was his student in Fantasia and Mickey Mouse is his student here. But they really respect this dude because Donald actually is like, it's an honor. And Sora's like, oh, hey there. And Donald's like, dude, show some respect. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, this is the first time that he's ever had to do something like that. So kid grew up on an island. It may as well have been a barn. He doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's he has, when, when has he ever been around anything close to royalty? Which, I mean, Yen Sid seems to be more of like a, an edu like because of his status and like level of power, it comes with some sort of a, a respect level. Yeah, well, Sora has absolutely no familiarity with that. So Donald uh, teaches him a lesson pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but Ginsid actually just smiles and kind of waves it off. Like, he's like, dude, Donald, chill out. Like, it's good. <laughs> and uh, at, at this point, though, Yen Sid just lays it out for Sora, lets him know that, like, yeah, I get that you want to go back to your island. I get that you've done a lot for us. But if you want there to be an island to go back to, and if you want to have a friend there with you when you go back, you'd still have some work to do. Yeah. And he... Because he tells me, he's like, you know, chosen wielder of the Keyblade, you are the one that will open the door to light. And you can tell Sora's kind of like, uh, yeah, okay, I know. Because uh, I think he he was expecting that, you know, that last journey was going to be the one. And Yinsid pulls out a book of knowledge. He's like, he's like, it's been a minute, but he's like, you have a lot to catch up on. I have no idea what's going on with this book. Did you read this and like thoroughly try and put anything together about what it's talking about? Not really it had a it had a lot of that kind of mystical wizard talking mumbo jumbo and i mean i probably could have really looked into it but it, it like i don't know i feel like they were trying to set up some stuff and i, I think i'll go back and try to figure it out later but definitely yeah. to me the more the more interesting bits were what came after you got done reading the pages Right, where Yen Sid launches into his explanation of the the heartless and the nobodies and how all of these things work. Yeah, I mean, he, he explains what a nobody is versus a heartless. He explains how they're made, which is in itself is pretty interesting, basically being like, because like, I think you noticed, or I hope you noticed, but like he uses Donald as a reference. He's like, if Donald goes down, he can become a heartless, but if his heart is strong enough... It kind of splits two ways. Right. The uh, the body will continue on without the heart as a whole separate entity. And I think that that might be part of the issue with somebody like Roxas, because Sora was still alive and around. Yeah. While Roxas was still existing. So where did that body for the nobody come from? Yeah, I, I, it was an, it was an interesting explanation from him. I, so, I got a thing for you though. 
Uh, did we talk already about when Roxas was created? I think we did. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, that was that was because uh, the hall that Holobastian sacrifice moment had to have been the moment because that was when Sora became a Heartless. I mean, that's the only time I could think when that might have happened, at least as of now. But then he got his body back. Yeah, it's a tricky part on like when Roxas himself would have been created for that. It had to have been in that exact moment because that was the only time that Sora felt to become a Heartless. But you would think that the nobody would not exist anymore because Sora's body came back. I don't know. It's a yeah. confusing thing. No, I mean, I, um, I, I think we're both in agreement that that's really the only time it could have happened. If further on, then he goes on to explain about the more interesting nobodies. And he gives us the skinny on who Organization 13 is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including, uh, we actually finally learn in this moment what dusks are. And dusks are those just like kind of basic nobodies that we've been fighting this whole time. So that is what Axel was referring to a while back when he said, so you'll turn me into a dusk. He's referring to those low level guys. But yeah, the, uh, the higher level ones, the ones that have such a, I believe it's like such a strong will that they're able to retain their form or something like that. I don't know. They formed this organization. Uh, the purpose for which Yen Sid does not know. Yeah, Yen Sid winds up saying that, you know, heartless act on instinct. Nobodies can think and plan, and they seem to be moving towards a goal. He said the king is traveling from world to world trying to solve the riddle of the nobodies. Oh, and and I think he said that uh, King Mickey is wielding, quote, the Dark Realm's Keyblade. He did, but I don't think Sora and the guys quite knew what that meant. I sure don't know what that means. So I'm like, what in the world? I'm assuming when he says he's wielding the Dark World's Keyblade, that means he is using, he's not using Riku, but he is in a way able to use Riku. I don't know if that's what that means, though, because we've seen that King Mickey has a Keyblade in his hand. I feel like it's referring to that actual physical keyblade. I, I don't know, though. Well, I'm excited to learn more about what that means. Yeah, I don't, I assumed it had something to do with Riku, but that's just me. Um, but then in one of the, I find, the, the funnier moments so far, Yin Sid calls out Sora for wearing his little high-rise short shorts because as he's slept for a year, he his body has grown, and so his shorts and shirt are very small on him. <laughs> His body has grown. He went through a growth spurt and he had his uh, his voice dropped. That's for sure. His voice definitely did drop. And he's like, go on to the next room where you'll find three good fairies and they will get you ready to go for this. What is going to be definitely a much more challenging adventure. Uh, one detail that I want to catch, though, is uh, somewhere in that in that conversation uh Sora's like yeah we got this we can do it me you guys Riku and the king the five of us I mean six of us blah 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 Sora is counting Roxas as one of them subconsciously now yeah I thought honestly that's funny I thought he was talking about Yen Sid no I think he's talking about Roxas because Yen Sid's just gonna stay in his tower as far as I know I guess I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I thought Sora was saying that maybe like Yen Sid was going to be helping from the background. I don't know. I mean, it definitely could have been subconsciously. He was talking about Roxas. It sounds like one of those things that like uh, Roxas was able to imbue an emotion into Sora. So 
I don't see why he wouldn't be able to just like slip some words in like five. Oh, nope, it's six. Sucker, I'm here too. <laughs> sure. I, one thing I also wanted to point out, did you get to explore around the room a little bit and look at some of the books? Uh, yes, yes. Like how Mickey's, uh, yeah, Mick, like Mickey's misdeeds are listed here or something ridiculous like that. Yes, there's one book on a shelf that if you go to read it, it says something along the lines of um, this book is filled with all of the misdeeds and shenanigans that King Mickey got into while being a student of Yen Sid, which I think is really funny that basically they're just like, oh, yeah, this is the this is a book. This is like a Fantasia book. <laughs> yeah, probably some interesting stories there about uh, yeah flooding the tower. Oops. It's like, uh oh, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I bet that's a cool. I wish they would have actually given you like they would have done the detail of like these are some stories to make you like laugh at like a young Mickey learning under this guy. But yeah, you, you go into the uh, the wardrobe room and uh, before you even talk to the fairies, you can actually kind of explore the room a little bit. Did you explore that room? I did. There were a couple like I think there were like some mirrors and stuff that were covered. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was always something along the lines of like you feel like some kind of an emotion or some kind of like a memory that's like hidden behind there. It was weird. Yeah. So those are hints at each of the drive forms that we're going to unlock through the game. One of the things that I was curious if you noticed is that there's actually one extra that wasn't here before the final mix. No. What was it? Uh, no spoily oilies on what it actually is, but it said uh, old powers coming back to you or something along those lines. Oh, ho, ho, ho. OK. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't see that one. So I'm I'm excited to uh, to, to watch these unfold. So but uh, do you want to you want to tell them a little bit about about uh, Sora's wardrobe change? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so um, really exciting. So Sora walks into this room and. Um, you have the three good fairies from uh, Sleeping Beauty, the Disney movie. I don't, I cannot remember their names to save my life. But uh, one of them is um, dressed in all red. Another one is a little shorter, dressed in all blue. And uh, the taller sister is all all green. And so they're looking at Sora and they're like, oh, yeah, you definitely need a wardrobe upgrade. We'll get you ready to go. And they start to form and bend and build him this this outfit this uh, this new these new these new garbs and they start to do it, it it's a very funny callback to the uh the movie where one of them will be like oh now we need to pick a color and so the red one shoots it with a with an energy laser and it all turns red and then one of them's like oh no this will that won't do then she turns it all green then she turns it all blue and it shows a time lapse of them just fighting over the color of this thing, which I think is hilarious. But then who is spying on them, Kyle? Uh, as I recall, it is a crow of Maleficent. Another callback to the movie. Yes. Yeah, it is um, Maleficent's crow creeping on them from the ledge. And we're like, oh, OK, where what are you doing here? At which point Sora just kind of breaks the the pattern and she's like would you guys please just decide on what you want to do and they they kind of get like taken aback at sora being so upfront and they're like oh okay all right guys like let, let's do this together and all three of them 
kind of bibbity bobbity laser blast him. <laughs> That's the wrong movie, Mitchell. I know, I know, but it's about the best way I can describe this. And they, he kind of erupts into this light and you get a brand new look for Sora that is iconic. It's this beautiful, like, black, like, all black with red trim and gold shoes. And it's so cool. Oh, I just, I love this look for him. He's looking really sharp. I, I think this is probably going to be just his signature look for the, the remainder of the series. Like, yeah, his outfit's going to change, but this is the look. I'm sorry. It is. And but what but what is the the benefit of this new outfit, Kyle? So the like a uh, like a preemptively mentioned earlier, uh, you get the access to drive forms, which allow you to transform and wield a second keyblade. Uh, I believe the first one you get is Valor Form, which uh, makes you kind of all red, and there's like a Fleur de Lis ish pattern to it. Uh, Ghost Saints, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it brings a lot more power to it. It's very, very physically oriented in the the way that it's designed, the way that the stance that Sora takes on, and and again, you have a second Keyblade. That's just cool, as Axel put it. Two. Well, that actually seems to be something that shocks everybody was that as he, you know, Sora kind of super Saiyans into this new form, he pulls up his keyblade, then he looks at his other hand and he's just like, whoa, and store and Donald and Goofy are both looking like, whoa, two of them. And this form, if I remember correctly, and you, you help me out, um, the Valor form, I believe, is a more melee intensive form absolutely yeah but i think each form basically takes the place of one of your companions so i think don't you lose goofy while you're in valor form you do you do you don't get to find that out until you actually get into another fight which i guess you could ah. do you can backtrack and go do that but i think yeah i think you can do that right there you can like backtrack out of yen sid's tower and fight some heartless there but i, I didn't actually get to like see this until uh a little later on Gotcha. I think I had actually popped Valor form like in the room because it does allow you to. And just to like do it. And all of a sudden I noticed that Goofy was gone because I think in the description of it, when you first get like drive abilities, it tells you that each of you know, each one of these is based on almost like becoming closer with one of your companions. But then it takes your companion to do it. So I think that was their way of really like kind of balancing that out. I just find it interesting the way that you actually level up these different forms. Like uh, we'll, we'll dive into it more, more of them show up. But sure. Uh, Valor form, you have to land melee attacks, which actually means if you want to like grind out uh, more experience on this, you actually want to equip weaker keyblades so that you're just swinging and hitting more often. Yeah. But also a cool bonus is that the Valor form gives you an extra attack on your max combo when you're hitting somebody in midair. Which is all the better because combo finishers do more damage and you don't want necessarily to do more damage if you're trying to level this up. So yeah, having that extra hit on there is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. But then, so we get all that and we go back to Yin Sid's room and Yin Sid has a present for us. Ah, yes. The gummy ship. Uh, oh my God. I was, their, their excitement for it 
Well, I wasn't quite on the level of how excited so, like Donald was to see that thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just happy to, I mean, it was like, oh, yeah, the ship. Yeah, heck yeah, let's go. I, I wasn't nearly as excited as Donald was. They were like, yeah, let's go. I wasn't there. No, I wasn't either. I mean, but it could be better in this game. Who knows? We haven't got there yet. Well, we will find out very soon. And, uh, you know, it, this whole thing was interesting to me, this uh, this scene with the gummy ship, because it's like they they go through this whole exposition of it all, right? They talk about how the, the worlds are shut off from one another by comparison to the first game. Uh, travel is harder than it was before, but now there's pathways that you have to follow, pathways through darkness. I don't know what that's all about, but I, I just can't tell if this is a plot contrivance to to justify a change that they made in game mechanics or if they change the game mechanics around to suit the plot needs. I can't tell which, which it is. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess we'll find out in a bit, but I, I, I don't have a, a good frame for that. Yeah. Uh, two little things. Uh, one, as Sora's kind of like walking out, out of the room and into the next one, like his pocket falls out. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, a crown falls out of his pocket and, uh, it, they go through this whole thing about how you can collect little crowns throughout the world. So that's a new thing from Final Mix. You collect crowns and it turns into puzzle pieces that you assemble in Jiminy's journal for some rewards. Hmm. Okay. I was, I didn't think, I didn't remember that being a part of the original playthrough. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the, the bonuses are from that. Yeah, I hear the items are pretty good. I haven't looked too closely at it, though. I'm just going to attempt at it where I can. I don't know. Yeah. The other little tidbit that I want to really, like, blow your mind with. Okay. So we go from Yen Sid's tower up into the gummy ship, right? Let's just say that that's what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we get onto the gummy ship, who are those two uh, lovely lads that we meet right when we get on the ship? <laughs> so excited. We get onto the ship. And we are greeted by the the engineers, the mechanics of the gummy ship nation, Chip and Dale. Now, this is the part where I'm going to blow your mind. Yen Sid and Dale are voiced by the same actor. Really? Yep. I, I looked it up on accident. I was like, who voices this? Let me look through some of these credits. And I was just scrolling through them like Yen Sid and Dale. It's a weird combo, but yeah. Same guy did both. That's weird. <laughs> I know. I, it's, these are such contrasting characters right next to each other, too, and they don't sound alike in the slightest. So props to him. Wow. Yeah, that's really funny. I did not know that was a thing. I mean, hell, man, a good voice actor. They have range. That's awesome. All right. That, that's a cool. That's a cool little tidbit. Yeah. From there, uh, we go up. And uh, we see a little a little scene with uh, with, that, yeah. with that crow again. Yeah, so this crow. Well, we go back and we're in the room with the three fairies again. And they turn as the crow kind of brings in what looks like a black robe. And you realize that the fairies start to freak. And one of them's like, wait, that looks familiar. And as she goes to say... The word Maleficent, the other one stops her and is like, don't, no. Like, if we don't remember her, she can't come back. Which I thought was very interesting that all of some reason they don't, they didn't 100% remember her until this moment. 
I mean, do you think that's something to do with Namine's influence? That 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 seems weird, but I guess she could be considered as connected to Sora in the same way that the others were, and memories of Sora and the gang came back. I don't remember, but all of a sudden, one of them is like, oh god, it's starting to come back. It, I'm starting to remember, and you start to see the robe start to form a figure, and two of them, for the, the green and red fairy, run out the room, and as the robe almost completely fills the blue and just yells Maleficent and takes off. And in front of us is the queen of darkness. The one of the big bads of the, of the kingdom hearts one Maleficent. And she kind of is looking at herself and she just starts cackling, knowing that she is back and that she is about to wreck everything. Ugh. And with that, I think that's where we're going to take a pause. I agree. I think we, it's quite a lot to get into. We've got our villains established. We, ne- we, we have so many villains, Mitchell. There, we have the Heartless to deal with. We have Maleficent, who is probably still going to be leading the Heartless. We have Pete, who is uh, taking orders from Maleficent. And then on a completely different side of things, we have the Nobodies and Organization 13, which I think we actually has a name now. I think that was established too. They actually have a name, Organization Thirteen. Well, yeah, Yinsid actually does call them Organization Thirteen. So we we have a frame. We know who these guys are, at least as an as a as an as a group. So there, there's two separate factions of enemies that we're going to be facing now, and we have our allies now. We've got clearly King Mickey is doing his thing throughout the worlds. Riku must be somewhere doing his thing. We don't know whose side Diz is on. There's so much going on, and we're only like a couple hours into this game. The only thing that really, it's like, you know, there's a lot of enemies, but we have Chip and Dale on our side, so we're obviously going to win. You make a good point. I, I can't <laughs> that It makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you're thinking about who the most powerful entities in this game are it's obviously the two chipmunks capable of intergalactic travel of course i I mean the only other entity that comes close isn't in the kingdom hearts series and that's goku of course (laughs) okay all right before we get before we go too deep on that one (laughs) um anyway well kyle yes it's a great stopping point uh to everybody at home thank you so much for listening uh the next next episode we are going to um, be diving past Yen Sid's castle and starting to get into more of this this new storyline. An exciting yet familiar new world. Yeah. Well, Kyle, thanks again for jumping on this week, and uh, we will talk to you all later. Catch y'all next time. Hey there, Kingdom Hearts fans. Thanks for listening to the episode. Dream Drop Long Distance is hosted by Mitchell Orsino and Kyle Bradshaw and is produced by Kyle Bradshaw. Our theme music was written and recorded by Alex McLean.